and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my friend and co-host and guest to the Apple headquarters in Cupertino, where all the podcasters are hanging out. Right, Stu? Stu Lennon, how are you? Uh, well, I'm in a state of shock, Justin. I had no idea that I was going to get invited. Um, I have to say, California's a bloody long way from anywhere, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's not that long from here, but um, yes, it, it is from your side of the world. Well, maybe they should have invited you instead of me. Yeah, I wish. Uh, actually, no, I don't. This is, we were talking about this offline. Um, there is the Apple keynote, which by the time you hear this would have been yesterday. And uh, the big rumor is uh, headsets. And I have zero interest in this subject. Stu, how about you? You can buy one? $3,000? No problem, right? Uh, well, I'm expecting they'll give me one, Justin, as a, you know, a valued attendee. Uh, no, just, just in case anybody is wondering, no, of course I'm not there. Um, <laughs> I, I'm the last person that I suspect that Apple would invite to their keynote. But um, unlike Justin, I'm looking forward to it because um, I'm in that sort of weird position of going, I know I don't understand any of this, but I also know that it's going to be huge. I'm not sure how we get from, uh, let's let's be gentle, the crappy headset experience that now exists to something that's really good, but I'm sure it's going to happen. So I'm hoping that Apple will give me a little peep of, a, of the sort of the roadmap, as the podcasters will say, of, of how we're going to get to these amazing devices that will essentially get rid of all our screens. We'll never have any more screens, Justin. That's That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't believe that. You'll be walking around with a battery pack strapped to your ass. <laughs> Some bright spark is going to sort out all that battery stuff. It's all going to be powered by the fact that you're wandering around, Justin. That's what's going to happen, mate. With your, you know, nuclear heart replacement. Mm, I thought they were just going to strap a solar panel to the top of my head. Um, I think it's a very good idea. Patent it quickly. Hey. It'll glue on to mine pretty well. Anyway, more <laughs> important, follow-up. Did you get your BMW back? Uh, did I get my BMW back? Well, yes. Um, okay, more importantly then, how many bodies were left on the trail? <laughs> Look, first thing we have to say is that I got my pegs. My my oh. reminders worked. I was in the shop and it said pegs. Well, ah, I shall buy some pegs. Ooh. Uh, so that was very exciting. Um, with regards to the BMW, well, uh, there was, yeah, there was quite a lot of, of stress because I'd had to do quite a lot of logistics to make everything work. And part of those logistics involved a phone call with BMW in the morning, uh, of Friday. And they said, yep, everything is fine. I'm 99% certain that your car will be good to go. And I said, great. The window in which I can come and pick it up is from X until Y. Before X is impossible, after Y is impossible. Do you understand me? Yes. Okay, so I am now gonna come between X and Y. So well, I will call you in an hour anyway. I said, okay, as far as I'm concerned, I am coming between X and Y unless you call me to say that I shouldn't. Right, okay, good. So not long after X, my wife and I arrived to pick up the BMW. Oh, it's not ready yet. <laughs> um, there were some 
frank exchanges of views, I have to say. There was um, um, that rare, rare thing of me being very close to losing my temper physically. I'd certainly lost it verbally. And uh, the whole BMW garage got to learn some some new uses and intonations of Anglo-Saxon words that they probably hadn't had before. Um, But yeah, I mean, it was, as I explained to them (laughs) in very loud terms, the fact that they have a monopoly is having a massive impact upon the service that they're delivering to their customers and the bra- and the damage that they're causing to the brand of BMW, a point I will be taking up with the head of franchising BMW in Germany. Now, I've no idea if there is a head of franchising, but if there is one, I'm going to take it up with him, I'm telling you. Um, you don't actually expect any service whatsoever from a dealership, though, do you? Because out here, maybe it's a North American thing, we all know never go to a dealership unless you want to get mm. messed over. Yeah, well, it's um, the modern cars um, and Cypress are such that the only people that really can do anything to a modern car is the dealership because all the other mechanics, um, and I mean, they're brilliant, don't get me wrong. The, the other mechanics have a hammer and two screwdrivers. And they say, right, I'll fix your car, no problem. Um, and then you present them with a BMW and they go, oh, That's an entire closed unit. I can't get into it. Oh, hang on. I've got a hammer here. At which point you go, oh, maybe not. So, yeah, you have little choice now, which is all by design, of course. But uh, anyway, no, there was lots of of gnashing of teeth. Um, But I'm now currently having an argument with the insurance company. Um, And this is almost too boring, but hey, go on, let's, let's impose it upon the listeners. Skip forward about five minutes if you don't care about this stuff. Um, on the BMW, uh, we have puddle lights. Not that we wanted puddle lights, but when they screwed something up in the UK, they fitted the puddle lights for us to, as an apology. And a puddle light is you open the door and a little light shines down to make sure you don't step in a puddle. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. So it's a little BMW logo. And um, the one on the driver's side uh, now looks like a sort of cracked BMW motif. Uh, almost certainly because it's cracked. Um, which might have something to do with driving the car into a wall. This hadn't been noticed at the time of the accident. I mean, largely because the accident happened on a spring day in Cyprus, where it's rather light and you won't actually see a puddle light. Mm. However, we did spot it afterwards, and I mentioned it to BMW and said, you want to sort that out as well. However, when we got there, uh, we were told that the assessor um, who'd had a look at the computer, the computer, the uh, BMW, um, a few weeks ago to approve their repairs, uh, has asserted that the damage that he didn't see, because he didn't see that the, the puddle light was damaged, but he's saying it definitely wasn't caused by the accident. Mm. Now, I mean, that's impressive work. To do that from four, well, about, I don't know, 45, 50 kilometers away, just to go, that car that I looked at three weeks ago, there is no way in the world that the damage on the driver's side was caused by the impact on the front of the driver's side. Can't be. Now, the amount of money is is relatively small. But by this stage, clearly, um, uh, the wind was in my sails and I was having none of it. So I'm now having um, a terse exchange of emails with lots of without prejudice um, with the insurance company. Again, well, the assessor said that it wasn't wasn't there and I've gone, I don't care what the assessor said. 
you've got a contract with me. I insure my car with you. I pay you on time. You pay me when there's damage caused to it. The damage was caused by the accident. Your assessor's got no grounds for saying that it isn't. You want to talk about it now? You want to talk about it in court? I don't care. Whichever you prefer. So at the moment, they're sucking their pencils and considering whether they're going to come back to me. Oh, wow. Remind me never to sell you anything, Stu. <laughs> I don't mind people selling me stuff. It's when they try and... Um, uh, take the mick, he said, adjusting his sentence mid-phrase. Mid okay, I don't have to go beep. Exactly. So, yes, but there we go. It's, it's all fun and games. I mean, I have time on my hands, and so these companies want to go at it. Fair enough. I'll go at it. I've got all the templates. I can get going. How's the repair look? Good, though, apart from the crack light? Uh, yep, everything seems to be fine. Um, I've had no complaints from the current Mrs. Lennon, um, which ultimately is is what this is all about. Um, so yeah, hopefully they will come up with the money for the puddle light. If they don't, then I dare say that I will come up with the money for the puddle light. Uh, we'll take it to BMW, and BMW seem to have learned their lesson. Um, because uh, in the middle or towards the end of my tirade, and I did apologize, I said, Look, I'm not angry at you, I'm angry at the, the service that's been delivered to me. Now, if you're responsible for that, then that's your fault. If you're not, then it's somebody else's fault. Either way, you need to understand how I feel. Um, and then it was like, well, it's going to need a service in about a thousand kilometers. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> but we'll we'll provide a car for you. Oh, will you? I thought you might. <laughs> it's amazing. All these things that were impossible appear to be suddenly possible. Mm -hmm. That's just because they don't want you in dealership any longer than you have to be there. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, enough of my nonsense. What about you? How's your follow-up? Well, I mostly uh, survived the uh, heavy packing trip and the unpacking uh, with my wife and the princess in our camper for a weekend getaway. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was interesting. Um, it's tiring watching my wife find things to do. Let's just say we have completely different ideas of how to get away from it all and relax. Um, my wife packed the fridge and uh, she unpacked the fridge at the end of it. And I think she took enough food to last us for a month. Now the fridge in the camper is not particularly big, but things were getting literally lost in it because it was behind other stuff. And there was so much stuff in there on the day we were coming home that we couldn't find it. So, um, yeah, not quite the stressful, stress-free, relaxing time that I had, uh, hoped for, but it was still nice. Uh, I got to cuddle with Coco in a chair out back in the middle of a pretty orchard. It was, it was nice, but, uh, I kind of need a vacation to get away from the stress of a vacation with my wife. Uh, and I hope she doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> oh boy. It's crazy. Um, I'm back home. It's nice weather, though it did rain this morning. Um, and you know what? I'm driving around topless, Stu. There you go. Good Lord. Uh, yes, I, I had the top off the Jeep. Um, yeah, it's summer is kind of here. I was mowing the lawn after work yesterday. It was uh, sort of mid-80s Fahrenheit. There you go. Oh, Fahrenheit. I did the calculations wow. for you. Yeah, it was like 27, 28 degrees Celsius. So uh, I figured I'd never do that. And I was kind of curious what that looked like. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Uh, Coco has adopted my neighbors, the ones with beers, uh, and now happily goes in and out of their house all the time, following them around. Um, yeah, it's, it's summer. 
Ah, oh, it's crazy. You always trust trust a dog to pick the right neighbours, Justin. That's all I can say. Mm. They've, uh, hmm. yes, good judges of character on the whole. This is true. This is true. I'm not sure why she likes me though. That's a whole different story, isn't it? <laughs> and um, here we go. Fresh, fresh news. Uh, what do they call this on Erasable? Fresh points. Fresh points. Um, my wife just came back just before we started recording. She returned home from a, another hard day at the grindstone, and uh, when she opened the gate to bring the car in. Chicago decided that she was going for a walk. Uh, so there's there's an awful lot of cortisone flowing around this house. There is stress there. Um, uh -oh. it's, been, it's been a while since uh, Chicago made a, a sort of brief break for uh, freedom. I mean, she, she doesn't go far. She goes to see all her mates from, from when she was living on the street. So she goes and hangs out with the, the dogs up the path, and then she goes up into the village and annoys all the dogs there. And generally speaking, she'll just come trotting back to the back gate um in a, in an hour or two um i i please god that she does otherwise i will be out there in the dark with a torch <laughs> okay calling a dog that doesn't come to me at the best of times <laughs> let alone when i'm trying to get her inside the house but ah oh, there you are just show her the leash she'll come uh, yeah because that goes well doesn't <laughs> yeah. it every single time <laughs> yeah well i mean we've got her to the stage now where i don't have to chase around the garden to go for a walk um she doesn't come to me she stops where she is drops and cowers um and then allows me to put the lead on her which is progress but it's you know it's it's not exactly bounding towards me with a with joy and a wagging tail but there you go gotta be honest dude you came at me with a strap to go around my neck i'd probably do exactly the same drop and cower <laughs> uh it's it's quite funny now because i have um i have the two girls spice and chicago are attached to a belt lead um and then charlie is in my dominant hand because basically jack Russell, he likes to go where he wants to go um and uh on the walk was it this morning or yesterday morning i think it was this morning um a hare sort of leapt out of the of the verge right in front of us and there was this wonderful moment as the dogs looked at the hare the hare looked at the dog Everybody looked at me and then everything headed north at a rate of knots um, with, with me literally bracing myself against three dogs, determined to bolt off the end of the lead. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was, ah, ah, wakes you up, Justin, I'll tell you. I bet you didn't know you could move that fast, did you, Stu? <laughs> well, I don't think the dogs realised that there was quite so much of me. Um, and it's going to take a bit more effort to pull me off my um, off my feet. <laughs> but yeah, it did remind me of playing rugby, actually. It's like, oh, ah, yes, brace yourself, boy. <clears throat> Either that or you're playing Santa Claus in Cyprus. Yeah, exactly. Which one has the red nose? <laughs> All right, Stu, what's your tool of the week? My tool of the week? Uh, early rising. So I'm an early riser anyway, um, but I've been sort of upping the game. Uh, this week, uh, been getting up at around five, sometimes four, um, and uh, sort of quite quickly getting my day going. I've got into a habit of sort of sitting around um, in the kitchen while Mrs. L sort of gets herself ready to go to work. And uh, it's just a complete waste of what for me are golden hours. I wake up, you know, quite alert. Uh, my brain is kind of going, my subconscious has been doing its thing. And, and that's the time that I actually do my best stuff. So um, I have been getting straight into the leads, getting the dogs out, going out for a walk, um, burbling away to the phone, making notes and 
uh, yeah, loving it. Just, I mean, the downside is that come sort of seven o'clock in the evening, I am hanging. But um, for those sort of first, I don't know, I'm at my desk by about 7.30 and 7.30 through till midday, boom, I'm, I'm really, really on fire, which is great. What about you? What has been your tool? Well, first off, I want to ask, your dogs get up at that time with you in the morning? Um, two of them do. Um, Charlie, uh, Charlie is 100% my dog. So if I move, Charlie's at my side. Um, Spicy is 100% Mrs. L's dog. And well, when I say 100%, she's probably about 49% Mrs. L's dog. 51% she's her own dog. Mm. She's, she's a distant relative of Coco, I'd say. So she sort of lies in her bed or more, more frequently on my bed, uh, and looks at me and goes, bit early don't you think bit early um and ignores me for a while chicago because she lives outside she hears charlie moving um and because they have a little you know love thing going on she waits at the door for him to come out and play um and then eventually we get spicy moving as as she sees the whole house is up she kind of begrudgingly goes down to eat her breakfast wow you guys have it organized over there um Coco over here is nothing like that. She is, well, she's a teenager. She doesn't want to get up before 10. Um, getting her out of bed is challenging. Uh, this morning, for example, I got up to do what men over 50 do in the middle of the night. Came back to bed. Coco had, I think she had waited for me to move uh, because she had then laid long ways right across the bed. Mm -hmm. So there was about eight inches for me to get in. And there's basically no moving this dog when she doesn't want to, uh, without waking up Mrs. T and, uh, at four o'clock in the morning, I'm not going to go there. No, no, just not worth it. My life is not worth it. I'll sleep in eight inches of bed left, um, and share with the dog rather than wake up my wife. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, she, she doesn't like getting up. Uh, she gets up when she wants to. Um, 8.30 is about a good time for her. Uh, 7.30, you kind of walk in. She'll give you a look. Occasionally, she'll roll over and give you her belly to, give her, to get a rub. But uh, yeah, for the most part, if you suggest anything earlier than you know 7.30, you are going to get a sleepy dog and be dead-eyed look. She does not want to <laughs> get going. Anyway, uh, that uh, that's good at the moment. Uh, I think it'll be more challenging when uh, Mrs. T is uh, back at work and uh, I'm having to deal with all this myself because trying to get her up and go for a walk before I start my day mm. is challenging. She, she does not like that one little bit. My tool of the week was sleep, particularly catching up on it. Uh, I've had some really, really great sleeps lately. I don't know what it is. Um, I've interrupted, of course, by one work stress related night of restlessness. Um, the more I think about it, the older I get means that my relationship with sleep is a lot more complex than when I was young. Um, it's, it's something that I don't get enough of. And if I don't get enough of, I feel it. What I think is that North American businesses need to allow for an after lunch nap. I think Stu needs to do a better sales job because I think that's common where he is. Never, ever rely on the sales team, Justin. This is an operations issue. Okay. 
Book yourself a daily meeting with Morpheus, 1400 to 1500. 1400, have a coffee, get your head down for 45 minutes in the meeting room, or in your case, your home office. Then wake yourself up with an alarm, press 10 minute walk, get back on it. I won't tell anybody if you don't, but if you wait for sales to sort it out, it'll take forever. It's not a sales thing. This is science. This is now proven beyond any doubt that um, we all have energy dips um, depending on what your circadian cycle is, but we all have energy dips. And most of us, it's early afternoon. Uh, it, it really is transformative. And for most companies, the, the way that you turn around is you, you, you just say to them, well, you get sort of fresh on it me instead of sitting at the desk, playing solitaire, avoiding doing any work me which is what everybody does in the early afternoon mm. go for it just book a meeting that's it book a meeting morpheus unless you've got someone who's a, a greek scholar they won't know that morpheus is the god of sleep and you can just you know crack on i think everybody watched the sandman on netflix uh, i think they all know at this point um no weirdly weirdly though my day with interruptions is it's bell-shaped um, which means that mm -hmm. my mornings are quiet, my afternoons are quiet, but right in the middle of the day, perfect time for A, lunch, and B, a nap, uh, are my busiest times with interruptions and uh, bosses and all that stuff. It's very, uh -huh. it's very challenging. I will have to see what I could do. I, I don't have a shared calendar to book a meeting, though, so uh, people just harass me when they want to. Not if everything's turned off, they don't. Oh, I do you remember last year I complained about an outside vendor who I have to deal with once a year mm -hmm. who calls just out of the blue, just calls. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with him again this year. The other day, because I was in the middle of something and I wasn't answering my phone, I was watching my phone light up every half an hour. Like, dude, get the message. Send me a text, send me an email. If it's really important, he didn't even leave a message. That was the point that drove me nuts. Uh, so I know I knew it was him, but it's like, come on, man, this is not good. You're going to get an earful after this. I was I was thinking of the stew approach and sending my bill for it. But <laughs> it was easier to ignore it. But oh yes, this this interruptions thing, it sucks. For sure. What you writing with? What am I writing with? Well, I've I've been uh, playing with day one again, which is obviously not a pen. That's an app on my phone. Soon to be Sherlocked. Indeed. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm interested to see how that goes because I have to say day one has always been very, very good at what it does. So it'll be interesting to see if if Apple gets anywhere near that. Um but yeah, so I've been on my sort of health kick this year and the last few weeks I've been a bit slack. So I had friends come to stay, ate too much, drank too much, uh, did plenty of exercise in fairness, but um, was, you know, not really on the game. So getting back into it um, and there's all sorts of stuff going on that I won't go into, but I've I've been feeling that I need to um, sort of pep myself up a bit, get, get positive um, and journaling is one great way of doing that. Perhaps we can talk about it one day, but um, just making the effort to write something in my phone or tap something into my phone, uh, something positive where I'll look back at the day or I'll look back at the day before, or I'll look forward, but, um, you know, with a definite intention, come on, let's, let's look for the positive here. Um, and that I think has helped me get, get into a, into a sort of better frame of mind because I've, I've had a lot on for the last week or two um pen wise i've been using uh my my pink flamingo 
which is a retro 51, um, which I, I consider to be the, the sort of fountain pen users uh, rollerball because it's, you know, so juicy. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, it's like having a broad nib at your, uh, your hand, but it doesn't, uh, um, it doesn't require filling it, et cetera. So that's been me. What about you? Have you been using some big posh fancy pen, a new Montegrappa perhaps? I haven't been writing at all. I was going to talk to you about this. Uh, and now that you kind of mentioned your practice of trying to write something positive every day, mm. I was thinking about this week, this week. Um, I, well, I'm a nerd and I'm a stationary geek. So I took a nice leather bag full of journals and books and fountain pens. And well, I packed my pen case like my wife packed the fridge. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yep. Um, we're away for a long weekend. We're parked in Norchard. I have no plans. I have nothing to do. Just sitting, chilling. I didn't pick up anything. Not even a pocket note. Not even a digital note on the phone. I just had no interest in writing. Um, I'm not sure why that is, Stu. Do you go through that? Is it just, is it a phase in my life? Is it just, I, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I enjoy writing. I enjoy journaling. But right now it seems like it's a chore. And I'm kind of confused by it because it's weird. How about you? Do you do you ever run into things like that? Hmm. I mean, I, I won't speak for you, although I suspect you may resonate with some of the things I'm going to say. Um, I find that my desire to to do all the things um, means that I can get myself into ruts where things that I enjoy become things that are um, use the word chores. And so, um, you know, I, I will, I'll make a decision that I think journaling is a positive thing to do. I'll make a decision that I'm going to do it in my daily driver notebook or in a special journal, you know, all those, those good things. I'm going to use a different pen. I'm going to use an ink that I enjoy, but, and I get into a routine to such an extent that the routine becomes a chore and I, I don't enjoy it anymore. And now brace yourself here. This is going to be something that's going to shock you. Mike Hurley said something very profound the other day. <laughs> I braced. You see, uh, he was talking to to Brad on Pen Addicts, and and he said, um, you know, sometimes you have to give yourself permission to do the thing that makes you feel good, and that's perhaps something I'm not very good at. And if I was just in in my uh, in my 16,000 ton truck going away to do nothing, I think I would probably say to myself, do you know what? I'm not going to make a journal entry. I'm not going to write something down. I'm just going to chill. Um, and you know, as Mike said, giving yourself permission to do that is is actually responding to what your your body and your brain is telling you. And your body and your brain is telling you, time out. <laughs> I, need, I need a little break from all the things right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think I can be very judgmental of myself and say, oh, you know, I've, I've lost this habit or I've lost that habit. And anybody who look, looks at day one or my day one history will go, well, there, there are gaps of like years. I'll go, yeah, there's a book over there. And then there's a book, uh, you know, it's not um, by any stretch of the imagination, a sort of complete narrative, but that's okay. I don't want a complete narrative. Um, I dare say anybody reading 
you know, so from start to finish would, well, they would undoubtedly die of boredom before they got to the end. So I think with all of these things that we recognize are useful and um, helpful to us, I shouldn't get on ourselves when, when they slip by because we're busy. I mean, everybody's busy. That the responsibilities of being alive are heavy. Being alive and having a job and being, being alive and having a job and a loved one uh, or loved ones and being alive and having a job and having loved ones and having hobbies. I mean, it's, it's all, there's a lot going on just to be. And I think we should give ourselves permission to take time off. Hmm. I, I certainly enjoyed, I, I wasn't feeling guilty or anything like that, but it was just like, hmm. I just had no interest in it. And that's, uh, it's a weird one for me because usually that's how I like to relax and make some notes. And I just wasn't in there. I sat, I sat with the princess. I drank some cider because, well, this was a place where the orchard made cider and the cider was good. Um, and I just chilled and, well, I ate lots of food that my wife prepared from all the stuff she brought. She's a good cook, but boy, does she pack heavy. Anyway, um, what I was using is a pen this week, and I don't know if you tried these two. I might've mentioned them before. The Bic uh, Crystal Easy Glide. Uh, in fine this is the old school orange pen with in my case a blue plastic cap that's great for gouging eyes out uh, you know the one mm -hmm. oh yeah it is a silly expensive pen i've got tons of them lying around or it's a silly inexpensive pen but boy uh, i was using it for some notes uh for work i was doing some calculations i just wanted a, a pen that i could pick up and put down and pick up and put down and i grabbed this out of the drawer and it it's just fantastic and i'm just thinking you know in the point where i'm sitting there this week thinking why haven't i written anything and here's me enjoying this you know 30 cent pen thinking why do I need all of these fancy fountain pens and a bag to carry them in? And yeah, it's just, uh, it's crazy. But if you haven't tried these, uh, go back and try them. You know, you haven't used them for a while and they're still good. Um, not the stuff you get in, you know, the big, thick, goopy um, stuff that you get in a lot of the Office Depot style stores out in well, Canada and North America, uh, they're, they're just ugly. But these these ones with the fine are just lovely. Well, there we go. That's an unusual pen and ink for both of us. It certainly is. All right, Stu, we're going to talk about GTD again. <laughs> There's a theme. Do you see it? I can yep. see it. Um, organizing. Um, from the Bible, according to David Allen, 2015 revision, organizing is about setting up the right buckets. So after clarifying, which we talked about last week, defining our next actions part, the question is, how do we organize? Uh, David Allen has a very prescriptive list. I wanted to mention it here because I want to find out what Stu does. But uh, David Allen talks about basic categories. He's got a project list, projects, but support material, calendar actions and information at next actions list, a waiting for list, reference material, and a someday maybe list. And the thing he talks about is these hard edges, which he calls 
pristinely distinct from one another to avoid rearranging incomplete inventories of still unclear things. Now, this has been a while since I've done one of these. Stu, do you follow David Allen's basic categories with hard edges? <laughs> no. Um, but yes and no. So uh, it's easier to say, I start from the bottom. So a someday maybe list, I have one of those. Yes, um, it is distinct. And it's where I bung stuff that has occurred to me that is a someday maybe, um, exactly as it says. Uh, reference material, yes. I have um, a tray that I use to put all reference material, which I then scan if it's, you know, paper. So I, I try to be paperless. Um, if it's electronic, then I have a filing system and I, I file my reference material into my filing system. Um, a waiting for list. Uh, I have a waiting for tag that I use in my electronic task manager. Um, so should I need to see a waiting for list, um, which I have to say I seldom do, but should I need to, I can. Um, next actions list. Yes, most definitely. Calendar actions and information. I'm not sure I remember. I probably have it if I knew what it was. Um, if I have a definite appointment, it goes on my calendar. If there is supporting information, then I will drop that into the, the notes. Um, but I don't have any list for calendar actions. It's, it's my calendar. The calendar that David Allen proposes in this chapter is that you schedule things that you want to do on it. Uh, okay. That's kind of what I think he means by the calendar actions. Time blocking. Um, I do that on a, uh, weekly at most, but more, more likely sort of twice a week, I'll say, okay, what am I going to do tomorrow and the day after? Um, I think sort of any more than that just doesn't work for me because life changes too fast. The business, mm -hmm. one of the businesses does something, it just doesn't work for me. And I find it very prescriptive and I find it very daunting to say, you know, two weeks next Thursday, I'm going to be working on this and then working on that. I, I wouldn't like that. Um, so no, I don't do that. Um, what I do is each morning I will, well, each morning and each evening, I will look at my um, projects and my next actions and go, right, okay, where do I need to be? Um, okay, let's let's get all that done tomorrow. Let's work on that. So this morning I knew I was um, I was up against some deadlines. Uh, I had to work specifically on one project, and then I knew that I would need to completely switch off from that because that was the consultancy business, and I needed to touch base with Claire in Neuros. So the the day almost planned itself for me then. Um, project support material. Uh, yes, I I have the plastic wallets. So. Um, projects they have a they have a wallet they sit in a tray beneath my in tray um and when i need to work on that project out comes that tray when i do my weekly review out comes that tray um the projects list yep yeah, that sits in my task manager there's a big list of my projects here. so i suppose i do are my edges hard yes i try to be um i try to avoid having a um sundry tray because that was been my great downfall before which is, here's a tray of stuff I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with. Mm. I don't do that. Anymore. Yeah. What about you? Do you do you have these basic categories? Oh, not really. No. Um, because, well, I guess 
they're all linked into my task manager. So perhaps I'll go through that uh, a little bit later because I okay. want to go through some of the other stuff that uh, all right. cool. David Allen's theory, you know, uh, talks about. Mm -hmm. Contexts. Uh, David Allen talks about context, the tool or location or the situation yep. needed to complete it. Um, and these should lead to action reminders. Contexts that he defines are calls at computer, errands at office, at home, anywhere, agendas, read and review. Mm -hmm. um, do you use any of those? No. Um, I think they're, they've been rendered pretty much obsolete. I have, um, um, I'm going to try and remember, David Kadavi wrote a book, uh, whose name has now escaped me. I spoke about it before, where it's more about mindset. So uh, it's called Mind Management, Not Time Management. Oof, I pulled that one out somewhere. Um, and so I have tags uh, in my, my task manager that are about what sort of mind mode I'm in. So that might be um, execution, that might be um, prioritizing, it might be planning, um, it might be admin. So I categorize tasks that way, which really reflects my sort of mental state, my energy level. So this morning I have been writing policies and procedures, I've been proofreading them, I've been checking them for uh, sort of detail against the business for which they're intent. It's very minute, very boring, uh, very precise work. And once I've done that, I reach a point where my brain goes, yeah, I can't do any more of that. And I am now completely useless for anything sort of creative or that requires attention. I can do bits and pieces of admin. And so then I will look at my task manager and say, okay, give me some admin tasks that I can just knock off now uh, because my energy levels are low. For me now, um, I'm always in possession of a of a telephone for calls. I'm always in possession of a computer. Um, it might be one of, well, like you, I've got several options. Um, errands, well, I mean, what isn't an errand, I suppose? Um, at office, at home, well, both you and I work at home um, and anywhere. You know, the, I, I don't think these things are particularly relevant anymore for for the way that that, that we work. So I, I don't really use them. Uh, read review. Um, again, I don't have a read review list. It's it's within my task list. Mm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way on that one. Um, I don't use a lot of context anymore, mostly because, again, we'll talk about it everywhere, how we set up our system, particularly for our work and personal um, but it was it was an interesting discussion and reminder that contexts were a thing for a while. Mm, sure. Uh, waiting for one of the pieces of advice David Allen gives is use the original item as its own action reminder, um, which is interesting. I'm not sure if you do that or if you use a follow up or anything like that. How do you, how do you deal with your waiting for? I don't think you have. You said you don't have a lot of those, but. Uh, do you do you have a practice there? Yeah, I mean, if it's um, if it's electronic, I mean, generally, if it's waiting for, then I've asked somebody to do something, or I, you know, uh, I'm waiting for a response from BMW, for example. Um, so I will forward the email into my task manager, 
Um, so as he suggests, use the original item as its action reminder. Um, so I'll forward it into the task manager and then put a follow-up date on it, deadline or time, hmm. usually usually both. Um, if it's something else, like a call or anything, then it will go on to um, one of my cards and into the in-tray and get processed that way. Interesting. Um, David Allen talks about paper versus digital. Now, you still have paper. You said you scan it. Mm -hmm. Where do you get the paper from, Stu? That's what I want to know. You work on your own in an island. <laughs> uh, where does the paper come from? Um, so what do I get on paper? So there's, uh, you know, bills, household bills, uh, dealing with um, the sort of bureaucracy here in Cyprus. Uh, there's a bit of that. Um, uh, there are... So I, the insurance company is paying for my rental car. So I got a receipt from, from the rental car people that I then have to scan and send to them. Um, I do occasionally print things, but I don't generally scan those back in or I try not to. Um, what else have I got that I scan in? Oh, business cards. I might scan in. Um, I'm going to have a look at my tray. What's a business card? <laughs> exactly. Uh, like, yeah, you have to like meet people to give those things out, right? Uh, yeah. Well, I still do a bit of that. Um, I'm not quite as reclusive as the Twyford, but um, hmm. uh, more often than not, it is restaurants and, you know, dog, dog groomers <laughs> rather than any sort of massive corporate thing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to do, which is why I, I choose to be as paperless as I can be, because it's not a huge task to to every week scan everything in or even you know, a couple of times a week scan everything in that I've got. Mm. Do you still use a tickler file? No, no. Um, if there's reminders, they'll be sitting in the task manager anyway. So if there are things I need to look at on a certain date, then I would have put them into the task manager and the, the tickler is therefore a function of that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I miss the days of 43 folders, but uh, at the same time, no, I don't that much paperwork. Ugh. Chris, um, one of the things that I was uh, surprised and I didn't remember from David Allen was uh, he recommends checklists. And we did a whole um, episode uh, uh, going back to Atwal Gawande, I think his name was, that did uh, the That's checklist him. book. Yep. Um, do you still use checklists and how do you handle them? Uh, yes, I do. And I... Um... I've been working off one a lot this week. So um, there, I've, I'm launching a new website or I'm relaunching an old website. So I'm moving my management consultancy uh, website onto the Teachable platform. And I'm going to, through that, I'm going to offer um, digital downloads, uh, coaching, and training. So there's a whole series of things that I need to do to make that transition and a whole massive learning curve in, in how to make those things happen. So I have in the past, uh, the, the company was a training company that that's what we did. That was our core function. Uh, so I have lots of training courses and I have lots of experience in delivering, well, writing and delivering training. Um, there's a slight difference in doing that electronically. So um, I'm having to learn some new skills there, um, but I'm working from existing materials and I'm working from a sort of strong experience base. So I've made checklists of how do I produce a, a video course? Uh, what things need to be done in what order? What are the pitfalls that I'm discovering as I go? Um, and I'm building checklists and using those checklists to get 
um, enough material to to start because there's a there's a specific demand within the marketplace that I work in. I won't bore everybody with what it is, um, but people really need some training uh, and they need it at the sort of price that um, I'm not prepared to to do live work for. Um, what I am prepared to do, however, is to um, record a training course and make it available um, and then people can sign up for it sort of, you know, one by one, as it were, uh, do it in their own time through the video, take a test at the end of it, get a certificate. Um, happy days for them. Happy days for me. The ultimate recurring revenue model of the internet. There you go. That's it. So um, there's there's lots of work for me in getting that done. And I'm I'm having to build checklists as I go because I'm I'm old enough and wise enough to go. I'm going to completely forget how I did that unless <laughs> I write it down. So I'm I'm trying to build those up so that hopefully I'll have a have a large body of work there and I can serve lots of people and as you say have a, a nice healthy recurring revenue coming. Hmm. Um so yeah, I think checklists are great. They don't particularly tie into to sort of my mental model of task management. Um they they but they do tie into sort of you know relevant documentation, reference documentation. I need to be able to go, right, need to shoot a new video. How do I do that? And open up a document that says, do this, then do that, then do this, then do that. Um, because there's all sorts of things that I hadn't imagined. I've had to reorganize my office um, just because the backdrop of me behind me um, was very distracting. I mean, it's still not brilliant, to be honest, but it's much less distracting. So I've, I've turned the desk, I've you know tidied up the, the things that were behind me, I've moved bits of furniture around. All things I didn't really expect. I, I don't really want to do video courses. Um, I, I know, I'm sure people have no desire to watch my sort of head, head bobbing up and down. Um, but I do. Uh, I do an introduction that includes my face, and then it's pretty much a screencast with audio from from there on. Um, and that's obviously much easier because there's no video involved. But uh, you know, I'm learning that I have to record different things separately and that there's limits and you know all sorts of stuff so um checklist for that invaluable what about you are you still using them i i still use checklists but uh, i've incorporated them into my task management system for the most part um what do you do do you have paper checklists do you have lists somewhere how, how do you go through and handle the physical side of where your checklist lives and how you check it off uh, I, I write it up as I go, which tends to be, you know, in a notebook. Uh, then I take it away and put it onto a document that might be an obsidian, uh, document or those, you know, other word processing type things that I use. Uh, and then I save them and I just put an, um, a note into my file. You know, I, I move the checklist into the file that is relevant to, um, it's in my filing system, I suppose the easiest way to do it. Mm. And then when it comes to the time to, to shoot a new video, um, I will press print and I'll have that little piece of paper next to me and go, right, okay, that's it. Just to keep me sort of focused on on doing things in the right order. Otherwise, I have a terrible tendency. Um, I've noticed this this week. So trying to get this going, the priority is that I have customers and potential customers who need material. They need it fast. And so what do I do? I start considering whether I should change my logo. I just I have to get a hold of myself and say, yes, we can we can do the logo playing 
in a few weeks. But first, let's get this material up and available for people so that you know we can start solving their problems. I can make the website look prettier at a later date. So checklists are designed to keep me on task. Mm, interesting. Cool, cool. Um, I'm curious because this is sort of my thoughts on this. Uh, do you do everything in one system or do you keep your work and personal separate? Um, I think having to or attempting to keep work and personal separate makes the whole thing exponentially harder. Um, again, I think that's partly uh, the way the modern world is. And I accept that for some people, you know, it's unavoidable. But for me, uh, no, it's all in one. Uh, I have different areas within my task manager. I have different areas within my filing systems, but it is all part of one big thing. And I would find it, I think, really, I, I tried once or twice to to have two task managers running and no, just lunacy for me. Mm. I feel the same way. Um, we both use our personal computers for jobby jobs. Uh, when you were in a jobby job with a, here's your computer type of system, was that any different for you, Stu? Uh, because I'm not sure I'd want to put my personal stuff in a corporate task manager, if you know what I mean, something that lives on somebody else's service. So I'm, I'm, I know that this is heavily dependent on what job you do, hmm. but if you can do it for me, uh, keep everything separate, keep it personal, but, uh, have one place to rule them all. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky in that, um, when I was doing that sort of corporate, uh, type stuff, I was, when I was junior enough for that to be an issue, then all of my, my personal stuff lived, um, in an analog system, in a day timer. Um, and I didn't really do much digital outside of work. Then as digital became more and more important and sort of just populated all these parts of our lives, I was senior enough to, you know, it's my computer. It was my server. So I wasn't worried about that, but yeah, I appreciate for, for other people, it could be a real issue. Um, and I guess it really depends on how separate your work and life are. So if you are um, very disciplined and you're able to say, you know, I go to work at 8 a.m. and I, at 1800, that's me done, finished. I close my computer. I switch off my work phone. Then I think it is possible to have two systems. But if like me, during the working day, I might go and pick up the dry cleaning, then um you know, I'd need both systems to be working simultaneously. And that's where it can get complicated, particularly if you've got an aversion to notifications. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, uh, it's, it's challenging. I'm, I'm lucky in this respect. And, uh, you know, that comes with a cost for me. And that was one I'm more than happy to do is I am going to run, you know, when I got the job I'm in, I'm going to run my computer my way and I will access your systems. But I control all my data. Nothing goes on your systems unless I put it there. You know, it, it is a complete distinct setup. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that would be a real challenge. I'm not sure I would want to put anything personal into a corporate database because, sure. uh, you know, having worked in it stuff is not particularly secure. People have access to it. Um, unfortunately things, well, corporates are corporates and they're 
you know, even though they're run by people, they have different uh, needs and views and all the rest of that. I wouldn't want anything to get in there. It's it's a very yep. privacy focused thing for me, but uh, something to consider. You know, uh, maybe you need to have notifications if you have something separate. You know, maybe a, an iPad on your desk next to your corporate computer or something like that. Sure, something definitely to think about if you have to get there. Mm. Um, when you are organizing tasks, everything I do, almost everything I should say, uh, gets a due date and I use defer dates a lot. I use those not necessarily as a due date that this is always due, but as a reminder to look at and review, um, as well as my weekly review as well. Do you use due dates or do you just use your review mechanism? How, how do you organize your, your tasks in a task manager or however you, you are organizing those? Yeah, I mean, I use defer dates. Um, it, they're not called defer dates in things. They're, they're, um, uh, they're called date. So that's when the, the task will appear upon my today list. Um, and then, um, for tasks that do have a deadline, I will generally set the deadline and I will set uh, a defer date. So I imagine exactly the same as you do in OmniFocus. If something's going to be in on the Friday and I know it's a few hours work, then I will have it appear on my my um, task manager on the, on the Monday just to give me some options of where I want to do it, where I want to put it. Um, so pretty much everything that goes in to the task manager will have at least one of those dates, possibly two, um, except things that are going in the, you know, someday maybe, which you know, by definition don't have a due date. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, one thing that I do, I, I have defined dates in mind. So if something is, is due, it has a due date. My deferred date is because I don't want to look at it until yeah. I can start working on it. So for example, in, you know, some of the accounting stuff that I do, I can't look at what a financial report looks like until that financial report's closed. For sure, yeah. So there's no point even looking at it in my review each week to see where does that go? I can't do anything. It's unactionable. Um, you know, things like yearly insurance. I have them pop up to be actionable or pop up to be visible a couple of weeks before the actual renewal is due. So I've got time to work on it, but... I don't need to look at that for another year. There's no point looking at it and reviewing it each week. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I, 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 I don't do early due dates for hard deadlines because that goes into my weekly process, my weekly review process. So a little different there, but uh, I get it. Um, we talked last week about geotagging. Yep. And in the days when I had, well, what do you call that thing? A, uh, an office. Um, I used to use a lot of geotagging weirdly for errands. Um, when I leave a location, I used to have it trigger a reminder for me for the errands on the way home. Um, this was a thing when I used to have to pick up dry cleaning and they closed early. So I had to go straight from work to my dry cleaner because otherwise, well, I'd lose the opportunity. 
um did did you do any geotagging does your things support that and is it anything you do at the moment uh certainly uh things supports it absolutely fine um however uh you know the further you get from cupertino the less apple recognizes that you're on the planet so um geotagging in cyprus is a little bit ropey um so i as an example i i set up some shortcuts where if i um if i started a, a golf workout um then uh, no what did i do no what i wanted to do was when i arrived at the golf course i wanted the phone to switch to a golf focus so only certain people could get through and all that sort of stuff um unfortunately that works maybe one time in four just because um I, I i don't know what the exact reason is around the mapping around the satellite i, I have no idea how it works or doesn't but it doesn't work very reliably at all mm -hmm. um so ge geotagging is a bit unreliable i'd love to do sort of geotag the supermarket and stuff like that but it just doesn't work um i mean as it is i have um one list for shopping um, I mean, I might occasionally have another list if I've got a specific shop in mind. But um, so when I go to the shop, I just look at my shopping list and anything that's sitting on there, I do that. Um, but yeah, I, I would certainly use geotagging if it was reliable. There are options in OmniFocus for organizing tasks. You can do things as a new parallel project which means that you're working on several things at once, a new sequential project, uh, which is great for task managers. Uh, for example, if you finish one and then the other one pops up that you can do that. So, so if you have a series of actions under a particular project, you can only work on the first one, or you can work on a bunch of single action items, uh, which is sort of where I do a lot of the, the context stuff that I have or just a folder to create a bunch of stuff. Do you have anything in things like that? And do you find any use for it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it's probably not as complex in things. So you have um, tasks, you have projects. Um, those projects you can set to be sequential, um, as you say, so you complete one, one action and then the next becomes available. Um, you can uh, have uh, checklists within tasks, which you could sort of, you know, sort of, you, you can bend things into an omni-focus-esque sort of workflow, but it's generally, I think, a little bit simpler. Um, for me, yeah, I have um, areas, um, which I don't know what they're called in omni-focus, I forget, but they um, they match my my sort of, my operating system. So my personal operating system is split into um, the, the companies, um, uh, into what I call life, other people might call personal, um, studying, et cetera, et cetera. So I have, I have creating, I have learning, I have neuros, I have Lyme and I have life. Those are my five areas and my task manager mirrors that. Um, and then within those areas, I have, um, mostly, um, parallel projects, I don't really use sequential projects, to be honest, um, and and single action lists. And then the the way that things organize is things you can you can look at everything you can look at upcoming, you can look at someday, maybe um, in a variety of different ways. You can look up by tag, et cetera. And that's generally how I'll so my 
um, I, I didn't do a screenshot or anything, but my screenshot would look very much like sort of those five areas with a list of projects beneath them. Um, and then beneath the projects, there would be single tasks as well. Mm. Uh, pretty straightforward, pretty similar, I'd say. Yeah, I put a list of my projects uh, for Stu and I to talk about. Fairly straightforward. The, I have one that has a big emoji on it, which I don't normally do a lot of emojis, uh, but do. Uh, things that need to be done right away. They go into that. I've got sort of household chores. I don't know about you, Stu. Maybe it's getting old and having a house, but there are so many tasks that come up that need to be uh, checked into. Ugh, it's recurring tasks. I, when I do my review, this is long. It's crazy. Um, I've got, uh, you know, a thing for errands. This is the one place I check when I'm out of the house. Sounds like Stu uses something similar to it. I've got financial, that sort of bill paying and stuff like that. I've got medical for, well, when you got to check up and follow up with the doctors and all that good stuff that one does when you are a man of a certain age. <laughs> Indeed. Periodic stuff. Oh, yeah, that's stuff that, uh, you know, comes up. Um, that doesn't really fit into anything else, but is a routine that I have to do. Uh, I've got defer for anything that I don't want to do. And I review that every week. And if there's something that I should really do, get moved in there. Uh, David Allen would be proud of me. I have a someday list in there. Got some work related stuff. I've got some habit related stuff in there. I've got some ideas, which to me are a little different than someday. Um, again, I want a one single system. We talked about this a little bit, whether you use personal or work, I don't want to have different lists of things. Um, so I just put everything in my task manager with a link back to something else. Should I need it? I've got some podcasting stuff and well, of course I've got a whole section on all the work that comes with my new big fancy truck and RV. Um, <laughs> what, what do you do? do? Does everything go in your task manager? You had mentioned obsidian mm. a little bit earlier. Um, where do you keep a lot of this stuff? Is it all in a task manager or do you have reference lists that you look at in, in other things such as obsidian? Uh, obsidian, uh, if I want to write something down, um, m make a note, capture a thought, then I do it in obsidian. Um, and, you know, contrary to the, the popular sort of opinion, I don't have any problem with Obsidian's iOS app. I think it's fine. Um, I only use it for capture, that, that said. So um, if something occurs to me um, that I want to, to explore, and that might be an idea for a book, it might be an idea for a scene in a book, it might be an idea for a character, uh, it might be some thoughts on stoicism, I mean, anything, then I will, I will jot that away in Obsidian. That's what I use Obsidian for. Um, I know that there are people who manage their tasks, uh, in Obsidian and, uh, well done. That's great. Um, there's this whole category of apps called task managers that are really good at managing tasks. So I use one of those. Um, I've used Obsidian in the past and, uh, just got myself very, very much involved in playing with, um, uh, with OmniFocus, sorry, I think I said Obsidian again, but um, I just got myself tangled up in the weaves of OmniFocus. Um, and so I've reverted to things, which is much simpler. Um, I, I did a course by a guy called Peter Akis, that's A-K-K-I-E-S, um, 
who does uh, it does pretty decent OmniFocus course as well, but um, it does one on how to use things for a sort of slightly simpler approach. Um, and yeah, I really get on with it. It's it's just about the sweet spot for me. It's complicated enough to deal with everything I need it to, uh, but simple enough not to allow me to go off in the weeds and start overcomplicating life. Ah, overcomplicating life, Stu. We talk about that on a podcast. You've got to go there. Give us topics to talk about. <laughs> well, um, for me with OmniFocus, that was always my, you know, my really big um, problem was that I I would sit there saying, right, okay, I need to make up lots of projects and I need to make up lots of areas. And um, I think now because I've clarified my thinking, which probably goes back to the last episode, I know how I, I would use OmniFocus and I could transplant my system from things to OmniFocus to Todoist. You know, the sort of, I suppose the top four or five um, task managers are, as far as I'm concerned, pretty good. And they all work slightly differently. Uh, and then it becomes a matter of preference. Uh, things is very, very good if you're, you're, in, in Apple, uh, as is OmniFocus. Uh, OmniFocus, I think, is a little bit more fiddly. Things is a little bit simpler. OmniFocus is a bit more powerful, um, but that's power that I don't need. So mm -hmm. that's why I settled on things. It looks nice. It's easy, uh, but it has enough under the hood to give me, uh, you know, tags and stuff if I want to use them. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. You know, pick the one that resonates with you. The point is to have a trusted system, not necessarily worry about what application you're using. Find something that you like, try out a couple of different ones. Find something that you're going to use. If you're intimidated by it and OmniFocus, well, it's, it's, it's been around for a while. It's got a particular look to it. It runs a particular way. If you're not comfortable with it and you, it's not going to be your trusted system, don't use it. I like it. I got into it years ago. I got into it from a GTD methodology because it has built-in review. There is a point on my desktop that it says review and every week that pops up or whatever interval I specify for a project or task. And that, that's important to me. That is my reminder each week that I'm going to sit down and do a review even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Uh, and that, that is the one thing that, that has always worked for me with OmniFocus and the reason that I keep going back to it. And once you have all your stuff in it, it, it momentum is a big thing. You know, if you're, if it's, sure. it's, it becomes your trusted system, don't change it. You know, you don't change just because Obsidian is a new greatest thing. All of a sudden, everything's got to go in there. Well, why? You know, I think that's always a question we have to look at ourselves is why are we doing what we're doing with any sort of task management? And I, it comes back to something that resonated with me from the day that I picked up the very first David Allen version is trusted system. Put everything in one system and use that system. And boy, did that change my life in, in terms of me getting organized and not losing things and not feeling frantic and getting everything out of my mind. Um, it was, it was uh, an eye-opening experience. Systems for me work with that. Um, you know, the organizing part, 
you can use kind of whatever you want, but uh, it, it can even be a paper system. Uh, sure. Uh, a filing cabinet with 43 folders in it, if you want to go old school. Mm. Whatever works for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the the thing that sort of jumps out of me from what I would now consider a more successful implement, implementation than any I've done before um, is just that recognition of, you know, OmniFocus things, Todoist, filing cabinet. Uh, that those are things to help you do the verb and the verb in this particular section is organize and when i sit down and look at my tasks look at my projects what do i want to do what's the most important thing to do what's going to take the most time how am i going to organize myself to do this and just it's a verb you have to do it the weekly review is your touch point where you say okay i'm, I'm gonna review everything here but I'm organizing two or three more times during the week as well, where I'm going through, okay, what have I got on my, what have I got to get done? Because you're adding tasks all the time. Life adds tasks. Um, your, your better half adds tasks. Oh, yes. The weather adds tasks. All of those things. So um, for me, the, the real penny drop was, okay, you know, I have a way that I do things. Um, I've long since resigned myself to the fact my wife will never understand them or buy into them. But... I have a way now of saying, okay, give me what you need to give me. I will put it in an inbox and then I will work out how that fits into my world. And I think that's the key to, to organizing. And this sounds so stupid is to organize is to say, okay, what do I want to do? How do I make sure that I'm doing the things that I need to do and then decide how a system will help you do that. Mm. Any thoughts, takeaways that you have from someone who's just re-implemented a GTD system on organization? Yeah, I mean, for me, um, there's a definite tendency, particularly when I get the bit between my teeth, to um, to fire into things and think, okay, I've got all this stuff to do. I know I've got it to do. And um, I know that I've spent a lot of time in my life busting a gut to do all of the wrong things. Um, the key to organizing your tasks is along with clarifying is just taking that moment, a little bit of time to identify what are the right things to do. We all have a lot of things to do, but what are the right things to do? Because if you work hard on those, then you will move whatever needle it is you're trying to move. Mm, very good. I was reminded, cause I, I did a little bit of research for this uh, episode, Stu, in case you can't tell. Yeah. I'm reminded how prescriptive GTD can be. Really good ideas. Um, perhaps if you are coming to test management for the first time, if you've already been there, I'd recommend you develop your own systems that work. Hard edges are good, but the buckets that you're organizing should be things that resonate to your life, to your personal situation, there are some good ideas in GTD, um, but, uh, you know, don't be, f don't feel like you have to do what a system tells you, because again, this is developing your own trusted system and you're only going to trust, make a trusted system if it speaks to you and it answers your needs, not somebody else's prescriptive bucket list. Does that make sense, Stu? It certainly does. I think it's very good advice. It's very easy to get sucked into the, this is how it must be done routine and then find out that you're just doing stuff you don't want to be doing. 
Yeah, you're literally moving things around buckets. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> All right, Stu, uh, you, you were quiet on the internet. Uh, you didn't seem to upset anybody this week. Uh, what were you doing and where could people find you? <laughs> well, first of all, I have to report that they can find Chicago back in the garden. Oh, yay. That was what all the barking was about, I guess. Yeah. The barking was Spice reporting to her mother um, that, that, in fact, there was a little black dog wandering around by the gate. Uh, and eventually, I think Mrs. L came down and coaxed her in, closed the gate. So all is now well with the world. Um, for me on the internet, you can find me at stuartlennon.com, where, as Justin points out, I've been a bit quiet today. Um, I'm on a sort of hiatus from my members' posts uh, as I'm editing. Editing, which is terribly hard work and involves a lot of red pen. Uh -huh. um, but I'm still blurbing away on a Tuesday. Um, you can email me at hello at stuartlennon.com. Uh, if you're interested in uh, anti-money laundering, why would you be? Uh, LimeConsulting.com is, as we speak, the old site, but perhaps by the time this goes out, will be the new site. And you can buy yourself a training course. No, don't do that. Don't do that unless you're really interested in anti-money laundering. Um, and you can buy some lovely stationery at nerosnotes.co.uk. And you can get in touch with Justin and I at stationeryadjacent at gmail.com. Right, you, Justin, what have you been burning up on the internet this week? Boy, I have been hiding in a camper in the middle of nowhere. Uh, so I've not been doing anything. So uh, you can still find links to what I do do when I do it. JustinTwyford.com. As Stu said, feel free to reach out to us and let us know what your thoughts on GTD are. We're going to continue that next week by talking about the reflecting stage, which uh, until I read the book, I can't remember what that is. So uh, it's going to be exciting. <laughs> well, I know that I, I put reflecting and engaging in one in one. Um, so we may have a dual episode next week. We'll see how, uh, how show prep goes. It might be. Indeed. Stay tuned to find out. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.